0: Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. Um, so today's episode is going to be a little bit different, something we've tried to do in the past a bit, but we're actively working on trying to do a little bit more. Today it's just gonna be Gio and I uh, chatting about the topic of a couple different failed companies that we've tried to start in the past or products that we've launched that just never really took off. Um, and then after we go and talk about all of our failures, uh, we're gonna talk about a couple things that we think might be cool opportunities for anyone who's listening to this right now in their 20s, wants to go and start a product, a business, whatever it is, um, just a couple of different spaces and ideas
1: that we think are pretty cool. You're listening to the Next Generation Podcast, weekly interviews with the most interesting and successful 20-somethings out there. I think in the beginning, Connor and I were clearly afflicted by the, uh, you know, shiny object issue of we'd see a cool product or idea and and now all of a sudden we're just going to try and do it. Um, But I think we learned a lot in the process of trying a ton of stuff. I think we could probably spend an hour just going on lists of companies that that didn't work and and ideas that failed. Um, I don't think we've interviewed anyone that's first business was a success, really. Um, But yeah, so I think the first one to bring up that we did spend a decent amount of time on was Brio Bottles. So I don't know if anyone knows like the Swell Bottles They're the vacuum-insulated, double-walled stainless steel bottles with the, I don't know, little cap on top that, that screws on and off. Um, we It was kind of in the beginning of Cardly. We didn't really know if we were just a sell-anything-that-works-on-Amazon company or if we were a phone accessory company or if we just got lucky with one product. So we had kind of no idea what we were doing. We decided, okay, we should try to sell something else. So I don't know why we decided water bottles rather than more phone accessories, but we figured we we sold a phone accessory with a marble design on it. So now let's sell phone bottles or er, phone, phone bottles, bottles. Um, water bottles with marble designs on it and become the Marbleopoly of products and just strap marble yeah. designs. On yeah. I,
0: I, feel, I feel like the, the big issue here was just like, We wanted to be a company that just sells a lot of stuff on Amazon. Like, you see these companies today, you're like, Thrasio, cool. They sell everything from, like, workout bands to, like, I don't know, chairs, right? Like, Like, they'll sell everything. Their business model isn't that they sell a specific type of product. Their business model is that they're good at Amazon. And we saw a lot of other Amazon sellers who found, like, these cool and interesting niches and just, like, blew them up. And so we're like, oh, we could totally go and do the same thing. And we quickly realized, like... Oh wow! Like maybe we actually can't. Like maybe maybe we should go and stick to what's actually been working uh, until we want to go all in on an underserved topic, right? Because I feel like this probably brings us like the, one of the first lessons that we learned in business is like really that rule of differentiation. Um, I think there's kind of two approaches that people take in business when they're going and selling things, right? It's like the first approach is, hey, let me go and make the most unique differentiated thing of all time, right? Let me make the Uber, the Facebook, like the Airbnb of the world, like whatever you want to go and create, and like it's so different from everyone else, and now I'm gonna go and convince a lot of people that they need this new and different product, and you can make a ton of money from that, but most people fail doing that. And then you have the other rule of business where it's like, oh, let me go and sell the thing that I know for a fact everyone wants. Like, I don't know if everyone remembers this, but like back in 2017, 2018, whatever the year was, fidget spinners were huge. And everyone was just like, oh, people want fidget spinners? I found someone over in China that can sell fidget spinners. Let me go and sell those, right? But then you run into the issue that now the only thing that you're competing on is price. Uh, and that's something you never really want to compete on. So I think the, the sweet spot is really probably somewhere in between, right? So like rather than going and just selling Uh, like a a regular chair, right? Like using a chair as an example, right? Now, maybe you're going to go invent the chair with wheels, right? Uh, And obviously that's already a thing. Like there's office chairs with with wheels, right? But like if you're the first person to go and do something like that, that's awesome. Um, And usually I think that's where you can probably make a lot of money in this model. The issue is is that like we were really
1: only differentiating on design and nothing else. Which is funny though, because that is how we started Cardly as well. Um, But I think that was kind of a combination of luck where we really were the only people that had a bunch of designs coming out. And for the water bottles, people had a bunch of designs. We just thought we had a very specific design. For some reason, we just thought we were just better than swell. Right. Which clearly, clearly we weren't. Um, so it's, yeah, I mean, the, the, the nice part about Amazon is right. You can, if you have a product idea on how to make, you know, product a 20% better, there's a high chance that you can probably sell that product if you're differentiated enough and you probably sell a lot of it. So it does kind of force consistent improvement, but for us, right, we weren't differentiated enough. We were one of probably, you know, 80 different designs people could choose from. So we didn't really stand out. And then, you know, the other lesson there is we probably ended up wasting a bunch of time that we could have spent on our core focus, which was card holders, essentially at that point and you know as soon as we did switch away from from the brio bottle you know i think we we 10x what we were doing and got really niche we figured out okay we do know how to make card holders a better product let's keep making those better um and you know and and go from there one one interesting point to add on to this too cuz i do think it's
0: very easy to get tempted into being like you know hey this thing's working i want to go and do another thing now like it's just the ADD nature of entrepreneurship and like part of it's just like chasing that new shiny object and the other part of it, it's like actually going and figuring out what's going to take the least path of resistance to go and start selling something incredibly like high in high volumes um, an interesting tweet that I saw the other day was I think it was from the president of Shopify Harley Finkelstein saying that most Shopify stores that do over a million dollars a year in sales have less than five products which is kind of crazy because it's like they have like one or two really big flagship products, and
1: they just sell the living hell out of them. Uh, so just an interesting point to think about there. And and you mentioned thrashy, Thrasio sells kind of everything under the sun, but if you look at the companies that they buy, they typically buy companies that have like one to two hero products right, that yeah sell in one niche. So uh-huh. you can't really I don't think you can really start a Thrasio from from scratch um because it again they have an entirely different business model with how they raise capital and you know there's so there is a lot of benefit of staying within your niche you can build a brand around there and you're not just beholden to amazon then you can get off amazon so it's kind of twofold right stick with what you know make sure you differentiate differentiated enough um and start focusing on your brand rather than just the product itself
0: the uh the one other thing i was going to say here is that like geo and i like probably weekly if not daily just review a bunch of different like prospectuses on companies that are trying to sell. Um, and like, you, you kind of start looking at these companies, you're like, oh cool, like, you know, they're doing a million a year in revenue, they're making $300,000 in profit or, or whatever it is, right? Like, like you, you break them down. And consistently, I can tell you the, the prospectuses or like, you know, the business overviews that go in the trash immediately are those businesses that sell like 8,000 SKUs and they're like, you know, t- 2,000 of them are in like the baby space and like 1,500 of them are in the sports space. And then you have like another 3,000 that are all in like, you know, the automotive space or like whatever, like, like if they aren't focused on one thing and they're basically just a job shop of a bunch of different products that come together that they're trying to sell from a business valuation standpoint, it makes it much less attractive. So, uh, and, well, that's just and, and the reason
1: that happens is because it becomes really complicated, right? Like there's a lot mm-hmm. less synergies. If you're in the automotive space, you can hire people that know cars, Right, you have a content team that knows cars. You you know your product really well, and now all of a sudden, if you're going to sell baby products, you know, your your competitive advantage usually isn't just the fact that you know how to source a product. Right, it, it tends 100%. to get very focused on the niche. Okay, cool. So that's that's
0: Brio bottles. Um, basically, to summarize the learnings there, uh, if you're going to different, like if you're going to start a business like start something that's kind of popular already in a popular niche, but find a way to differentiate. Like you don't want to go, it's a lot of work convincing people that they need something that they've never seen before. But if you can show them something that they've seen before, but you can show it to them significantly better, it's probably going to help a lot. And then also if you have something that's working, double down on it. Don't just go into the next
1: space. Right. Um, I think you, you tweeted about air tags. I think is a great example, right? Find, find, find a product that's popular, make an accessory yes. no one else has made, right? Find a different 100%. way to latch it onto a product somehow combine it with a GoPro, maybe, right? There's, you can come up with a lot of ideas on products that people already sell a lot of. And then how do you make those slightly better? Dude, I just
0: saw, um, from an AirTag standpoint, I saw like some crazy uh, market cap of how much stuff is actually selling for there. Uh, let me see if I can find it while you start talking about the next thing. Because, um, so it's, the, it's the kind next of nuts. one... Oh, Oh, wait, 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 wait. All right. Yeah. Hold on. I found it. Um, so honestly, I just found. Uh, AirTags—it's a $29 blue tr- uh, Bluetooth tracking tag. Obviously, I don't know if people listening to this right now—it's it's Apple's new like tracking hardware. Um, but a new survey, uh, just of all Apple users—or not all, but like Apple users who took the survey—said that 61% of people who own Apple products are planning to buy them. So first of all, like massive market, huge market, right? Um, and from an accessory standpoint, uh, like one accessory alone on Amazon. That I just looked up. It's a set. It's called a uh, Damon Light Case for AirTag. Fourteen ninety nine. Um, it's like an anti scratch protective skin for the AirTags. Essentially, is doing three hundred eighty three thousand dollars per month on Amazon, according to Jungle Scout.
1: Um, and but, it's, but again, right? Yeah. Don't don't go on Amazon and try to compete against you know them and make a different color version. I think what would be interesting is you know find 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 a niche interest you have and figure okay can I combine it? We we have a buddy who loves kiteboarding, and in that industry you don't want to lose your your board. Everything's really really expensive, but maybe you could build you know some sort of attachment that goes on the bottom of a kiteboard that you slide an AirTag into, right? So it's it's kind of you could find really niche ways to attack it. So AirTags, huge market. Combine it with a really small niche, probably still large market.
0: And I and I just had a call with some guy on was it Tuesday last week, uh, who's literally going and making an AirTag accessory right now. Um, I'm not going to say what it's for exactly because I don't want to like just totally throw them under the bus, but like the mock-ups look sick. Uh, they're way better than the rest of the competitors in the market right now. Um, and I think that they're going to crush it. O- only downside is like, right, maybe it's on like in a one-off purchase, so you have to be pretty profitable from day one. So that's kind of where Amazon comes in because you get the free traffic there. Um, but definitely definitely worth looking into and trying to like
1: tap into this bigger markets. Um, Absolutely. I love the, so, I to, to kind of emphasize that right framework of something profitable, something niche, or, you know, huge market combine the two and there's still still uh, Oh, on a, on a side note, someone said um, that the opposite of a great business model is usually still a great business model in regards to uh, dollar yeah. general is the opposite of Costco, everyone, Costco, bulk sales, everything's cheap on a per unit basis, dollar general, everything's cheap, but on a like on a weight and a unit basis, it's actually really expensive. Opposite business model. Um well, hold on.
0: I, I don't know if you would explained that well. Uh, basically, like That's if bad. you go into Costco, you'll buy a 12 pack of toilet paper, and each individual roll is you know, let's call it 50 cents. I'm just using random numbers. Uh, whereas if you go in, into that now, it co- costs you six dollars, right? So you're spending six dollars so with them, but you're buying 12 things at 50 cents per roll. Whereas if you go into Dollar General, you're only spending 50 cents or no! Sorry, your your a a roll costs seventy five cents, right? So you're only spending seventy five cents. You're spending a significantly less amount, but per unit, you know, they have higher margins on the individual things, but they're moving less product. So right, we we um, can
1: dive into some frameworks later on. We can we
0: can riff off that forever. Want to hit the next sure. product? <laughs> um, yeah, this one was sad. So this is actually an example of us doing the exact lessons that we just told you about. Um, of essentially find a way to go and differentiate your product. And stick within the space that you're good at, and this is an example of it totally failing and backfiring on us. Uh, and I with the combination
1: of us being super naive, and bad luck, and external events, so you can, so, you can also just not win. Even. I know, <laughs> I know, I know, I know.
0: So, so basically, we we started. Obviously, we were selling stick-on card holders, right? You you see these things all the time around college and people who want to go and carry their credit cards and cash on the back of their phone. So we were selling these things. And we're like, you know something like, like Gio and I were in the same fraternity in college and like, ev- like everyone had a jewel, like and and everyone, you know, when we think around like what kids are carrying around with them in college, it's like, oh, you got your student ID, credit cards, cash, uh, maybe keys or whatever. If you're driving a car, depends on the, you know, we're in city school. So not really. And then a ton of kids had a jewel on them. And so we're like, what if we developed a phone wallet that also held your jewel, Okay, and so we quickly went we filed a trademark for mule m-u-u-l which I don't know why that was the name And why we thought that was a good name, but that's what we did um, And I had a great connection to a supplier over in China like the guy was like like we, we sent him over five grand they were sending us over all the mock-ups They were sending us over like, you know molds and things like that But like and like, like we almost had this product to market I would say we we're probably like 80%
1: of the way there we were months um, in, like we, we had done, we had gone back and forth. We had gotten samples. We had, we had like all of our friends yep. were testing them out. Like, yeah, all put, of our friends were just time like, to it.
0: and like we were consistently getting texts from our friends being like, yo, I just like walked into this convenience store and like someone asked me about like your product. I think it's going to be huge. Like get this thing launched now. It's like, oh, we're working on, it. we're working on it. Uh, So like we had the molds built, uh, you know, there were like small little tweaks that we had to make, like to tell you like this thing's like a centimeter too big or like, you know, whatever. And then my contact over in China, like basically like the, the guy at this factory, I don't know if he got fired or if he left to get a new job, like something happened. Uh, and he's like, I'll put you in contact with like this other person at the, at the company. So now I'm talking to this other person at the company and they're going back and forth. And like uh, eventually I'm just like, hey, like, like we're almost ready to buy like, you know, a couple thousand of these things. Like just make like these two changes and we're good to go. And they just wouldn't make them. They're like, nope, we're not gonna do this. I was like, 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 I'll pay you more money, or whatever. Like just make the changes. Uh, they're like, like they just kind of ghosted us essentially. Um, and so what ends up happening is, uh, they never answered. Um, you know, we set, we had the CAD files, all that kind of stuff. We were trying I mean, to. Work we, them. we couldn't
1: use the version they had too because it was like the the, the product didn't fit right. So it wasn't right. like we were being sticklers. It was you know, it just wasn't gonna work if if they didn't if they couldn't make the changes.
0: Right. Yeah, you, yeah. It just was, wasn't going to work. So eventually I sent like 20 texts in a row over WeChat, which you kind of have to use to go and communicate with these Chinese suppliers. And it like just they just never answered. And like, if anyone knows like operating over in China, like unless you're like have boots on the ground, it's kind of a black hole. Uh, if a supplier wants to screw you over, they can screw you over. Um, and so we never heard back from them, lost thousands of dollars in the, in the process. Um, and so we kind of like gave up on it a little bit but while we were also trying to build it up and like build the brand and all that kind of stuff around it again i don't know why we didn't just brand this thing under cardly we i think maybe from a from like a perception standpoint we wanted to brand it under something else we mule and we filed a trademark and so like we kind of forgot about it a little bit and then like Three months later, or four months later, we get like a massive, massive like envelope in the mail. And Gio's like, Hey, like I just got something. Like, come come to my apartment and check this out. And I go over, and it's just like a, like a full 50 page cease and desist from Jewel Corporation or whatever. Oh, I guess it was from Pax, uh, who owned Jewel at the time before they sold it. And I was just looking at it. I was like, uh, I was, like, I was they like, were, we just like, they
1: were not happy. Because, and in, in, you know, the yeah. issue was that we had the M U U L. Again, like, I mean, you know, we probably should have realized that that might have been an issue. Yeah.
0: But so yeah. Anyway, we, we, uh,
1: we figured we could we could file the trademark, and this was a huge, yeah, huge packet. They're telling us that they they're gonna sue us if we don't withdraw it, and just like this whole rambling on of um, you know, I don't even want to try to guess how much money they spent on the attorney to write up this thing. I know. So, all right, let me, to, to cut this
0: one short, cause I did, this was kind of like a small microcosm of the examples of, of things failing. Um, but essentially lessons learned here, one, find suppliers that you can trust and, and make sure you're not gonna go and get screwed. Uh, oftentimes you can go and vet them and make sure you have a couple different points of contact in the company. Um, and then two, be more creative in the branding that's that's as, as simple as it can really get to
1: especially because if you want to sell a company in the future no no acquirer will will go near any sort of trademark infringement right like if you right. have any if you have the word twitter or tweet in your name or, or, or facebook or instagram like there's a million instagram bot stuff that's Insta something like all of those tend to have pretty low capped ceilings because you're going to run into an intellectual property issue as soon as you scale it out so stay away from that
0: all right, can I, should I talk about the third one that we kind of failed? Yeah, that i have been doing it. I thought this was going to be a really good idea, and it just wasn't. Uh, I think um, right off the bat, I have a couple different rules and lessons learned here, but the biggest one is just like, it just wasn't a good idea. Uh, and I really thought it was. So basically, uh, last fall? We launched a brand called Mask Roma. And Mask Roma is kind of what it sounds like. We knew, noticed everyone wearing masks, and I don't know if anyone had the same problem that I had, but I drink coffee, and so what would happen is, you go, chug down a big coffee, you walk to work, you walk to campus, you walk wherever, uh, and you have to wear this this three-ply, or whatever. you have to wear this mask, essentially. Is it three-ply? I don't know why it's a three-ply. Um, you, you wear a mask, whether it's a K95 or whatever. Um, and so, I would go and just immediately smell my own coffee breath. And I'm like, this absolutely sucks. Like, I, I hate the smell. Like, you're smelling your own breath. And, like, you, you can brush your teeth. And it still didn't always fix it. And I, I remember posting this on Twitter once. And I, I got, like, a lot of engagement from people who liked the idea. And then a bunch of people just kind of, like, shit on me. They were just like, "Do brush your teeth. I was like, I'm trying. I'm really trying. Um, but basically launched it. Um, and, you know, spun up a website. I think if you go to maskroma.com. And essentially like see kind of like what the concept was how the spray bottles worked. It was like it was essential oils infused with water. Uh, we had a bunch of product photography done, etc. Etc Um, and it was like eucalyptus, uh, eucalyptus, peppermint, lavender, all that kind of stuff Um, three big lessons out of this right off the bat Um, one Don't start a company for short-term gains Even if your goal is to sell it or make a quick buck off of it Um I think, you know, you certainly like, I I think there is definitely a world where this could have worked, but I think Gio and I both also recognize that like, Hey, realistically, we're probably not going to be doing this in five years. So maybe it's not worth our time and effort today. Um,
1: Yeah. On on that point, like it definitely could have probably gotten some sort of, you know, viral popularity and and blown up for a short amount of time. But we also had we both had other multiple projects going on. So it wasn't, you know, the top priority, we just figured, you know, there might be enough interest that we could scale it up on the side. Um, right. And so I think I think that definitely impacted it too. But yeah, to your point, like, this is not something that someone's going to be ordering and, and become a customer for for the next 10 years.
0: Right. And then I have another like, when we actually made the decision to, uh, to be like, hey, you know, what, like, we're just gonna shut this down, because we shut it down, like, 45 days from launching it, right? So I think I think all in all if you factor in the sales and stuff like that We I think we lost a grand or two on like the website and some product photography and some product samples or whatever um, But we didn't lose a ton of money and that's because I kind of have this rule of a hundred that I like to think about when it, when it comes to e-commerce and it's essentially like think about it from like an x and y axis or like I like think think of a graph, right Um and on the x axis think of like your average order value right so like if you're selling private jets it's like several million if you're selling mask sprays it's like 30 or like $20 or whatever i think was our average order value um, and then on the y axis it's like number of units sold so like you know private jets from 0 to 15 or whatever it is uh, for masks from like 0 to a million and essentially what you want to go and make sure you're doing is it's okay if you're not selling many products or something, but make sure that if you are not selling a lot of products, that you're at least charging a ton for it. And same thing with the uh, pricing standpoint; you don't have to be selling the most expensive product in the world, but if you're selling a low average order value product, make sure that you are selling hundreds or thousands of them. And we kind of just hit this spot, and so like this is this is kind of where the rule of one hundred comes from. It's like Did if you find you just
1: reinvent supply and demand.
0: Um. No, no, I, I think I think you're misinterpreting <laughs> this. Um, no, I think I think from a from a rule of one hundred standpoint, it's essentially how long does it take you to go and sell hundred products, and like try to figure out what that number looks like based on your pricing, right? So if you're if you're Boeing and you're selling private jets it doesn't matter if it takes you three years to sell a hundred planes, right? You're still a bill- like a multi hundred million dollar company or whatever, in their case, billions. Uh, whereas if you're selling something that's kind of a, of a small order value, you wanna make sure that it's a no brainer for people to go and quickly go and buy. And so I think that was the big thing we didn't see off the bat. And
1: and it's it's funny though that we didn't see it because that our forte was cheap-ish products and just selling a stupid amount of them, right? we selling like right. tens of thousands of phone pockets every month And, and we knew where that scale looked at and had, we looked at them and like, okay, can we sell, you know, 20,000 of these sprays a month? Probably not indefinitely. Right. Um, And I
0: think, and I I think like to the last point I want to just bring up on this is like from a point of failure standpoint, like we also, we probably sold, I don't know, 80 of these over like 45 days or whatever. And so like, if you're a first time entrepreneur, you might be like, oh, like, you know, we just sold 80 or whatever, Like, like it's having some success. I think there's three types of businesses there's the ones that when you go and start them nobody wants to buy them right it's like like they're just a bad bad idea right off the bat um and you can't sell anything that's fine because at least you're recognizing hey right away you learned this is cool uh like like like, like this is not going to work then there's the mega success ones where it's like hey you caught onto something fast and the market wants it and there's no no, uh, you know alternatives out there and then you also know like hey this is gonna be a mega success There's huge product market fit here people just want this thing right away And that's that's the best kind of business now The absolute worst kind of business is the one where it looks like there might be some success so I think if I like, if, if this is our first business that we had ever started I think that we probably would have tried to fall into that trap a little bit more because we would have said Oh, you know what like it's been a month and a half We sold 80 of these things like, you know, give it let's give it another month and then you know, we sell another hundred and then it's like let's give it another month we sell another hundred or whatever and and you start to realize like hey like this thing's not going to take off and explode but it's also not going to die overnight and it's just going to take up a bunch of our time for the next couple months and so i think it's a really hard exercise but learning to kind of recognize when that's happening early on might save you from a lot of time
1: you need you need to know what path you're on right does it does do you see a path and a trajectory to get to the scale that you need or want to be on and that's always important to kind of reevaluate. And it could be fine for the first time entrepreneur, right? Maybe you run it for a couple months and you sell it for a couple bucks. Um, but we quickly realized that, you know, this wasn't our opportunity cost at that point, kind of became high from other stuff we we're looking at. And, you know, didn't really make sense to keep operating. Um, cool. I think now we're going to kind of switch it into some other industries and ideas that we think are interesting, that there's probably some business models around. Um, Couple ones you could probably make a couple bucks in, and just kind of things we've been chatting about ourselves for the past few weeks. Cool. All right. Uh, so this is a combination of like
0: everything from like niches to business models. I'll kick off with of the first one because I just wrote this one down. All right. Um, so I don't know how you're gonna th- what you're gonna think about this one. I think we've talked about this one a little bit in the past, but like you, there's this there's this big trend in the past twenty years. Of like consumerism and materialism and like gluttony and abundance and like everything from like you know uh, from an eating standpoint right every fast food restaurant went through like a super size phase from a technology standpoint we like I currently cannot look on my phone for more than 10 for 10 minutes without at least seeing a push notification come through right so we're constantly stimulated there uh, you see people going and upgrading to like massive houses they want bigger cars they want like you know they want more and more and more and I think you know in the past five or ten years we've started seeing a big shift of people being like wait a minute this cheap dopamine like this like quick fix on like this bigger and better thing actually isn't that good it actually kind of like makes us miserable in the long run um and so what i want to start trying to think about is like and and the other the other reason i'm really bullish on this idea of like monetizing minimalism is because in the past You know, the idea of, like, even inventing, like, the traditional American breakfast or whatever, like, eggs, bacon, whatever, like, that was just a marketing scheme to go and sell more. Like, the idea of, like, you have to eat breakfast, marketing scheme by these big food companies to go and push more into into this space and sell more stuff, but the issue with minimalism, whether that becomes fasting, meditation, like, minimalism, like, lifestyles as a whole, is that it's kind of the opposite of consumers like, you're actually not supposed to really be selling stuff. And so I think not a lot of companies really spend time focusing on that space. Um, Right. Like fasting is specifically like, Hey, you're, you're not selling food. Like like you can't sell anything there. Meditation, same thing, right. From a social media and entertainment standpoint, they can't monetize that. Right. I think calm and headspace have done a good job, but like, you know, it's not necessarily like a, like a Netflix business model by any means. And minimalism, like it's literally giving things up. Right. Um, so how do you make money off that? First of all, before I, I get into my ideas,
1: Gio, what do you think about this right off the bat? I mean, I, I just think it's super funny. and I guess ironic. Um, I think well, that's, that's, minimalism.
0: <laughs> it's, it's a capitalistic
1: point on like minimalism. Yeah, sure. Um, and to the extent, right, even even to, to relax yourself and meditate, you need an app to tell you how to do that, which I can't really say much because I have all the apps you're about to talk about and I use them all the time. Um, but it's, it's definitely kind of a, a, a funny way to look at it, but definitely heavily and fast-growing niches where, where people are you know finding genuine benefit themselves and and companies are you know also scaling very quickly hundred um, percent and I also
0: think that there's a big cultural phenomenon on this just as a side point Netflix has been coming out with more and more stuff around like fasting and minimalism and all that kind of stuff like if you've seen some of these documentaries or shows and it's kind of crazy uh, just before I get into some of these ideas, anytime you, you go and see Netflix come out with a new thing, right? whether it's like their Formula One show or like the Queen's Gambit talking about chess, go go to Google Trends and it's nuts to see how much they actually influence culture. Chess hit an all-time high a year ago when Queen's Gambit came out. Uh, same thing with like when Drive to Survive came out, Formula One came out. or, or Sorry, when Drive to Survive came out formula one hit an all time high in terms of interest um, and so when they started talking more about fasting and minimalism uh, you'll notice the same thing in Google Trends which is kind of cool um, but quick three ideas on how you can kind of go and capitalize on like this this space where you're taking away stuff is from a fasting standpoint one uh, there already is an app out there it's basically a glorified timer called Zero um, that I use and I think Geo use it too for like intermittent, intermittent fasting stuff um, but I do think that for people who want to do a slightly longer fast, whether it's 18 to 24 hours, and like they try to do that stuff like once a week or whatever, um, you could potentially go and sell an intermittent fasting supplement, I think, um, that doesn't actually go and break the fast. So things like uh, BCAAs, which basically go and help preserve your muscle mass when you're fasting because that's always an issue when you're fasting. It's like you don't want to go and lose muscle. And the other one is L-theanine to kind of go and like regulate and boost mood and and, uh, decrease stress as well. Um, So I know Peter Tia who's on Tim Ferriss and a couple of like Joe Rogan and that kind of stuff uh, talks about using some of those supplements and you know whether it's sodium too, like you're not getting minerals that you Probably should still have when fasting that don't take you out of a caloric deficit so probably worth looking into seeing if you can launch launch some kind of fasting supplement, just because it is a huge market and I don't think anyone's
1: doing it right now. And supplements tend to have insane margins. So I also let me know I if also anyone like the um on on the topic of zero, they they do a really good job of presenting information. Right, nutrition has a lot oh, of yeah. issues with with research and studies and and the issue with fasting is they tend to do a lot of the actual research and or also intermittent fasting on it tends to be like generally very obese people that go into these studies um, and so you can get a lot of conflicting information on on things you shouldn't be doing and the different results um, and you know just having a clear standpoint of this is what the research shows this is how it might be applicable to you zero also does a really good job of that um, which, which is helpful you know it gives you kind of a platform to go there so I think the other side of that is you know you could also just make content around it because it's also super popular right now and probably blow up a TikTok channel just on Intermittent fasting as well. Oh, dude! Not only a TikTok channel, but
0: I'm in the intermittent fasting subreddit, and it's huge. Like, like yeah. there's like a ridiculous amount of progress pictures, uh, a ridiculous amount of people that there's there's 781,000 members in the subreddit, um, and it's all like huge and crazy results and like people showing what's working, what's not working. So um, definitely worth checking out if you do want to start this product or go into the space. Hit me up because I really like it. Um, Alright, uh meditation. Uh this one is sick because I think that there's a lot of opportunity here from a product like an actual physical product standpoint, which everyone's probably thinking, like, okay, why why are there things here? Because, you know, you're you're essentially just sitting down and closing your eyes and setting a timer and focusing on breath work. But if you go on any of these keyword scanner tools, things like meditation bench, meditation chair, meditation stool, uh, meditation blanket, all of these keywords are super easy to go and rank for and have thousands of searches for them a month. So if anyone is like really good at SEO or wants to figure out how to go and build a content site around this space, um, I think it's definitely really easy to go and uh, start a site tomorrow and by the end of the year, be on the first page for some of these terms.
1: No, definitely. We would definitely we, we've even do, we've even checked out some of the, some of the keywords in here, and there's plenty of them that have you know relatively low difficulty, high growth, a lot of traffic. Um, it's definitely a cool spot for someone to go check out if they're interested in it. hundred percent. Um, and then the last one's minimalism.
0: I don't really know, like this one's kind of tough cause it's like, all right, the, the nature of minimalism is literally throwing things away. Um, only thing I can think of that would do really well would be some kind of community or accountability group. Uh, so it's like, you know, Hey, you pay $90 a year you're in this community, you talk about like, you know, easier ways to go and cook with less things or like, uh, you know, how people live in tiny houses or, or whatever. Um, maybe even like, I, like, honestly, I know that there's a lot of people who literally just like more minimalistic looking products. So maybe that's an opportunity in there as well. Uh, but I just, you know, looking at the overall space, fasting, meditation, minimalism, like, I think that there's probably a way to make a lot of money, uh,
1: by helping people do less, if that makes sense. I mean, there's definitely a growing trend there. Um, in terms of next kind of category, I love the companies I've run into that that have done really good jobs at offering a free product or essentially at cost, and then they hammer you with upsells. I think is a super under monetized model. Um, I don't know if for anyone that knows Inc. File, they'll essentially file a free not a free they'll file an LLC for you at cost of what the state registration fee is, which is phenomenal because every time I do it, I end up messing it up half the time if I go through the state website because it's so poorly done. So they go, they ask all the questions, they file it for free. But the genius part about their business model is they're upselling you on every point. They try to give you a Bank of America checking account with like a $500 bonus on top. They're trying to sell you accounting. They're trying to sell you all these other things, which gets kind of annoying, but I keep using their product and I've I've. I've, dove into some of their upsells before. So I think there's a huge market on actually high quality. I don't know if it's really a loss leader or not, because they're they're breaking, they're not really losing money because it's fully automated. But you know, oftentimes you'll see these free products that are super gimmicky and they have ads everywhere um, you know, for just random random products. But I think if someone kind of goes in and and finds something that's actually really, really well done that well, you're so not charging what- anything for. Yeah, but what what are what other opportunities exist here? Right, it's like obviously,
0: like I think, like filing for a business is super a super easy one. And like you know, when you start a new business, you need a credit card, you need a bank account, you need uh probably insurance or whatever like that, right? So like there's a lot of obvious ones that come to mind. There. Do you have another one that comes yeah? be so I, mind I would
1: be easy going off of state and federal programs like driver's license, maybe some some sort of thing around renewing your mm. driver's license or insurance or or your residency program like okay you you move around all the time right like where's your address where are you going to go file for residency and and do your taxes you you end up finding that there there's tons of paperwork that you frequently have to fill out for the government and they have zero incentive to give you a good interface and make it easy because no matter what you have to fill it out so i i think you know a super interesting model i think you probably have to dive into it a little bit more but i think combining some sort of other Government licensing agency and making it really free, streamlined, look really good, and then having phenomenal upsells at the end. Um, I think there's a huge opportunity there. It's, I mean, it's so, the same yeah. thing of kind of like you, you could you could also sell a course and then upsell a a program, which is also what um, it's a bit of a different model, but it's very very similar to what ClickFunnels does. Right. Um, they give you all but, the free content and then give you the course at the or they give you the software at the end
0: right then and, and that makes sense because like the software and then make a ton of their money anyway uh this doesn't also have to be just boring stuff like you know filing a business or filing a trademark or actually filing a trademark one might be actually be pretty interesting
1: too because then maybe they you know maybe you that's, want that's and- an even better example than mine because i've tried trademark to find- trademark things so many times and it's such a pain to like the form doesn't save you have to download like an excel doc that you can upload if you want to save your spot it's horrible trademark
0: might be interesting because i've bet this might be a dumb upsell but if you file a trademark the that probably means that you're starting a new business or starting a new brand or something like that uh and literally upselling merch on the back end of that could probably be a pretty simple way to do it right like you just filed merch. a trademark for like well i don't know right like like, like if you go
1: like you, you oh, just sort of like trademark on it like buy a hat
0: right Right. Yeah, I don't, okay, there's, there's, pro- there's probably better ways to do it but I'm just thinking like you're just you're creating a brand right and like what do people do when they go and start a business right like a lot of times it's like they buy a domain they, they get a trademark they
1: file their business
0: and then like they get all their company's t-shirts or something
1: like that I bet you'd be great for a legal firm right if you focus on trademarks and patents to offer a free version that's super simple if someone wants to file it themselves or right. you offer a upgrade honestly I I would bet you there's a law firm that probably does this um, there's
0: dude there's there, whenever you go and file a trademark if anyone who's listening to this right now has ever filed a trademark then they fully know if they like while they're waiting they you will get over 100 yeah. emails from uh trademark attorneys because of public files and public records of them all offering to you know four hundred dollars and they'll go and finish up the rest for you when in reality like it takes an extra five minutes to go and do so you, you also
1: get actual mail you'll get you'll get yep. ones that say oh you owe the government just fraud too it'll be like you owe us four grand and we'll file right you know. It's really, really annoying. Uh, but the I think you can catch them at the beginning of that cycle. So I think there's a lot of right. opportunity around that.
0: The last thing I was going to say here from a, from a give something away for free and then have upsells on the back end is that um, uh, two big companies that do this very well today are, again, you're starting a business, you want to go and you know focus on the design of it and create something. What's the first thing you do if you're starting a business? You, you thought of the name already and you want to go and like figure out what the, the company looks like. Like a logo? You mean in branding? Boom, logo. All right, yeah. So you say like you know the the stereotypical one is you can go to 99 designs and drop a couple hundred, a thousand dollars, whatever, and get like a really good logo, or you can just type in free logo generator on Google and Shopify and Canva both pop up because they have a free logo generator and they know that like hey oh by the way do you want to go and start an online store with this or hey by the way like do you have other design needs right? Uh, and it's actually a pretty cool way to do it. Canva is actually super smart because they, if you go in, in an incognito window right now and type in free logo generator, Canva will open you up, open it up. Like you click on their ad, and uh, let me see if I'm, I'm making sure that this is right right now, because uh, I'm pretty sure I've tried this in the past. Type in free logo generator, and then you'll see canva.com slash logo underscore maker. You click on that, and it'll automatically go and take you into a your logo and it'll like open you up into the dashboard, you don't need an account or anything, and then to save it, you create an account with them, which I think is so smart.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's probably even an opportunity of combining somehow all of those together. You do logos, oh, okay, well, do you want to trademark your logo now, right? You can keep right. going from, from a bunch of different perspectives, so definitely an interesting 100%. one. All right, let's jump into the next idea. Um, this one is more
0: similar to what you just kind of talked about, like a model versus like a, a space. Um, but right now, the biggest way that, Right now we're seeing like two waves happen or we saw one wave happen. We're in the middle of the next one. I think he's just going to be the next one after that. So first we saw blogging and we've talked about this in the podcast episode 17 in the past Jake's episode just came on. We're talking about blogging and golden retrievers and all that kind of stuff uh, and how you can make a lot of money from that. Awesome. Uh, now we're seeing a ton of newsletters come out and people making a ton of money on newsletters. It's direct to the consumer. They're getting their information right away. Like, cool. That's the next phase. So that's what's happening right now. I think the one that's going to happen next and we've talked about this a ton is text messaging and and this isn't like i'm not saying anything super new here right people know that sms and text is becoming a bigger and bigger way that brands and companies are communicating with people but i'm talking about text more in an interesting way and less of like less of like hey here's your daily news over text right like weather, it's going to be 86 degrees today like like that's certainly something that you can do but what i want is and this is you know, I'll just say the overall idea that I think could be really interesting here because this is what we've talked about before is I never remember people's birthdays and I don't ever go on Facebook that much anymore unless I'm like checking Facebook groups or something like that. Um, and so what I really want to go and start seeing is like I want a text before holidays and birthdays like roughly three to four weeks ahead of time. So that way I have time to go and buy a product and like make sure it gets here in time with shipping and everything like that. And I want a text saying like Hey, your mom's birthday." is in four weeks like here are three products that we think that she will like based on the attributes that you gave her about us all right maybe i'll say like she is religious she loves to cook and uh she's like you know a big runner or whatever right so they'll show me like uh here's this cool uh christianity jewelry here is like um you know these this awesome cookbook and here's like some cool running sneakers and now from my standpoint i'm like cool i just have a reminder like that's what i really wanted that's what i really cared about but also, here are three different ideas that I can go and look at, and they're all affiliate links. And so now if I go and buy those shoes for my mom, that, that service now gets a cut of this, right? Um, and I think that can work the same with for like, not only like the birthdays, right, but like holidays, right? Like, you know, hey, Valentine's Day is coming up, or like uh, Christmas is coming up, make sure you get stuff. You know, here are the five people you wanted me to remind you about for Christmas. Like, here's what we think they might like.
1: Um, right. I mean, and I think I'm that, I'm assuming in the beginning, right, you'd probably fill out some sort of profile and totally. you know here are the people that that I, that I want to buy gifts for this is what they 100%. like maybe maybe it learns over time um i i'm i bet you there's probably when like cell phones first came out someone that tried to do something like this where it's like way oh, too yeah. early like an entire business run on texting um but i think now you, you have enough automation around it where you know to some extent it's almost like a an automated virtual assistant right it's a very niche segment but a lot yeah. of people have some sort of executive assistant or if you're at that caliber, you you they'll frequently buy gifts for people for you, right? You tell them you know someone's birthday's coming up or holiday, you know get gifts for all these four people. You're you're taking a very specific segment of an assistant's role, moving that over to text, which is where you would be talking with them anyways. But there's no reason why you couldn't automate ninety nine percent of this, um, and then going yeah. with the affiliate model now you have your revenue stream. It's definitely a really interesting model. So that's the affiliate model specifically for gifts. The other one that you can look at
0: it from is kind of what you've you thought of originally. You I think you're the the founder of this idea. Um, mm. Was is more of a lead gen model for service based businesses, specifically speaking, uh, like dentists, primary oh, care physicians. Oh, uh, yeah, that one. Um, I still love that and, idea. And and so so essentially, uh, Geo's Geo's pitch on this before was like, uh, Hey, I am 21, 22, 23 years old. He's, you're 24 now whatever but this is like even back in college it's like when I was in high school my mom just told me I had the dentist appointment at this time in this place right like I didn't have to think about it it just happened it was already in the calendar whatever now that I'm getting older she doesn't do that for me anymore and I don't know the first step to even go about thinking about this kind of stuff, right? I need to go and find a primary care physician. I have to go and, like, get an annual checkup. Like, there's a million things, right? Uh, so how can I go and do that? I think this is as simple as basically saying you create a landing page, you put in your phone number, you say here are the three things, you know, here are the ten services that we provide help for to help you go and book a date and all that kind of stuff, right? Do you care about a uh, haircut, uh, you know, dentist, maybe... Dry, I don't know, dry commander might be stupid, um, but whatever. And we'll go and we will book your appointments for you. And I think the two models on this are either A, if you are a new uh, person, right? Like I went to school in Boston, I need a primary care physician in Boston. Uh, I can basically just go and say, um, you know, yeah, I want to just like have a primary care physician, like make sure that they have over a four star rating on Google. They're like, here's the four people that, you know, that we recommend, whatever. Am like, cool? Sign me up with like, you know, Dr. Roth or whatever like that on Thursday. Um, and then, you know, they'll book that appointment and great. Now I belong to that primary care physician place. And like, I fill out paperwork when I get there, but like now that lead service business just made a hundred dollars because they just referred a new patient, which is me, um, or, you know, haircuts. It's like, maybe I pay for like a haircut booking service or something like that.
1: And then the the back end gets a bit tricky. You know, do you have someone that's calling these? Do you do outsource kind of a call center where it's, they get the text message. You want to book that appointment at some point, someone probably has to make that phone call and. I do. I, I definitely think there's probably some sort of opportunity around just making it really easy to get physician and dental yeah. appointments. Um, I do think the one concern, though, in the future is iMessage is starting to do like kind of business texting. And I'd, yeah. I'd be intrigued on whether, you know, does that become a competitive advantage because now you can use their ecosystem to kind of route a lot of these different leads going through, or does it become actually, you know, competition to the point where, it's a default option to, you know, select dentists and you can just start texting them. Um, right. Well, but people and, and- people hate phone calls, people love texting. So any way to s- switch those two, I think is is massive. And just as a test to see who's still listening to this
0: episode, uh, you know, hundreds of people listen to every single episode, but like, I want to see if anyone actually wants to go and jump on this idea. Found your domain name for you already. Replacemymom.com is available. Uh, and so my, I'm going to go and basically We'll probably release this episode this week I'm basically just going to go and check on this episode Or that domain name like two weeks from now If it's still available I'm just going to assume
1: that either it's a bad idea Or people didn't make it this far in <laughs> the episode uh, You should offer to buy it for someone, Connie uh, First person DM to reach out me, to you you okay. you buy, them, right, buy the right. domain name for them
0: Alright, that's fair DM me on Twitter at C underscore grow And I will, I, if you want to do this I will pay for the domain name, that's fair Else,
1: um, just follow me while you're on Twitter because I'm really bad at Twitter.
0: Um, yeah, f- follow yeah. Gio for his one tweet a month, which is, like, lackluster at best. Uh,
1: <laughs> Want to <wanna> hop <laughs> um, on the next one?
0: Well, okay. So, actually, we're, we're probably, like, an hour. In, how long into this already so far? Yeah, we're 48 minutes. Damn, we, we always right. planning on these being so short and then. I know. Do we? All right. So, here's the thing. We have three other concepts, ideas. Um, how I'm about we either. I was going to say, we either can go through one or two of them now, or we can go and see what people think about these ideas in the first place. If they like them, we'll do another episode
1: like this next month. I think I think the last three are actually really good. So I would say if people want to hear what they are, give us some sort of feedback, because um, I think some of these are definitely actually really easy ways to, to make money very quickly. Yeah, um, I, think, I think no i think number six honestly if we if we don't do this episode again then
0: we should just do number six what do you mean like idea idea number six on this on this sheet if if uh if we don't go and talk about it on on this episode then we should if, or if we don't do the next episode we should just go and and do that ourselves oh yeah absolutely
1: i've seen a bunch of people do it so i would say we um yeah maybe wrap
0: it up okay cool uh if you like this episode, like I said, uh, we are, we have actually, a, I think three guests scheduled, but they're all like at the end of this month. Um, but honestly sharing this episode, tweeting about it, it always gets the word out and which it makes it way easier to bring on guests. Uh, so please do that. Um, and then either DM, tweet, text, call, uh, Gio and I will put our phone numbers down in the description below. Um, if you want, just kidding. If you want to go and <laughs> reach out, just let us know what you thought about these kind of episodes. Um, you know, honestly, I've said that in the past and like nobody ever like, hits me up and they're like this episode's better but i will say they have the same if not more downloads than all of our other episodes so i think just judging that number alone is probably equal um uh, but let us know what you thought
1: i'm more than happy to go and do another episode like this again and then don't forget subscribe and leave a review and you'll hear from us next week again at some point